0: Welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast, the first and only podcast about music. Um, today we have a special guest on the show, my good friend Tim Cronin. Tim, thank you for joining us.
1: Well, let's just go with guest. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, change that to we have a guest.
0: <laughs> we have we have a guest. He's a fellow human. Yes. Um, he's uh, here to talk to us about some music, and Tim, something we do. On this podcast, as well, sometimes is talk about snacks. Yes, mm. Bob and I are big fans of snacks, particularly of the secret variety where no one else knows about them. Right. So, one of the snacks you actually introduced me to. I'm going to kick it off like this. We're going to no music, just snacks to start. <laughs> one one of the snacks you introduced me to that's become one of my favorites is Dot's home style pretzels. Oh, those fucking things are great. They're great. Can you can you guys fill me in on this? Tell me about these pretzels. Tim, take the lead here. Um,
1: They're weird. They look like kind of normal pretzels, but they pack like a a lot of flavor punch.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, They're almost like a good meal substitute. They're dense. They're uh, super flavorful. Um, I can't pick out what exactly the flavors are. There's some buttery stuff going on there. Mm.
0: The one Uh, you gave me was was a Southwest style. Oh yeah, that's got a little that brings the heat. Yeah, it was badass.
2: (laughs) Oh, I know the okay, yeah. All right. Well, you guys are making me really hungry. I'm gonna I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna make I'm putting it on my list for this weekend is to get myself some (laughs) dots pretzels. All right.
1: The package looks a little high end douchey, like something you'd find in like ten dollar bags that are like the (laughs)
2: you
1: know, like tiny bags for ten dollars (sighs) that be like oh these things are gonna suck but they're really good
0: they just look, they do look like costco vibe or something like 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 lower shelf walmart or something but it's but they're dope
2: like
1: trying to sell themselves as something better than they are
2: okay hell yeah well i'm into it i I can't wait to try it all right that's (laughs) uh that's that's I'm, I'm literally as I'm speaking, I'm salivating because I haven't eaten anything yet today. So I'm, I'm like a a rabid dog ready to eat some pretzels now.
0: I mean, what better way to then to start with some flavored pretzels? Yeah. You know, Breakfast of Champions.
1: So <laughs> I gotta go just on a completely different note. You don't like the Pixies?
0: No, oh, man.
2: What the was, fuck? Wasn't that <laughs> wasn't that like shocking to you, Tim? I I had to like reel it in, but I was like, like weird
1: you have a cutoff point but that early stuff
0: no i just i think it's more i have more of a problem with frank black than the pixies the band like i think that i think the music is fine and actually i gave it five stars i mean it's you know a middle of the road rating i've given things worse particularly i think a few episodes that haven't even come out yet but um i just i the way the vocals annoy me to this point that I I can't stand it, but it also that listen was interesting because I did think like, you know, you hear the Dave Grohl and the drums and you hear all this like they were so influential in so many ways and I I get it and I give them cred, but like I don't want to put it on. Fair enough. I don't know, man. Maybe I'll come back around. Give me like I liked them 10 years ago. I listen to it now. (laughs) Maybe give me 10 years and I'll be into it again. We'll see. We'll see
1: something else you want to listen to life's too short to go back if you don't like it just cross it out you know that's that's a fact it's dead to you
0: yeah (laughs) um how far do you go with the pixies surfer rosa Doolittle. that's it
1: you know i like surfer rosa i like the ep and then like uh, after that maybe half an album of each okay like i could make like after the the ep and surfer rosa I could put together like a really good best of of the rest of their stuff.
0: Sure.
2: I think um, that's basically where I'm at too. I think yeah. there's some there's some tracks here and there, but you you if you listen to the whole album, they drag out, it's a little bit boring. And uh they might they kind of find they hit a little bit of one note nature at some point. And, yeah. You
1: know. And I like the first two Frank Black records a lot too.
0: Interesting. I've never given those a shot. No, you'd hate them. I I imagine I would. I remember uh
1: precise frantic pixies.
0: Sure. Yeah. I remember there was one Frank Black song on that Beavis and Butthead uh commented on at one point, and I don't remember liking that at all. (laughs) But that's the only time I've ever heard Frank Black solo to my knowledge.
1: You're not missing a lot. I mean, I like his stuff, but I'm not gonna I'm not going to the mat to try and sell them to you. (laughs) Yeah, sure.
0: Um All right, so Tim, uh, a little background on you, and then we're gonna talk about the record that we're kind of talking through today. So, you've been in a number of bands, Ray by Brothers, Daisy Cutter, Acid Reich, Gallery of Mites, and the band we're talking about today, Monster Magnet. Yes. So, a new record just came out, but it's like a record of old material called Test Patterns Volume One. Yep. So, give us the lowdown on this recording what it is how this came about and all that and and kind of your your experience in the, or your uh, involvement in the whole thing
1: all right um well it was the first monster magnet it's from the first monster magnet demo um mm-hmm. for that john McBain and i had a band called dog of mystery um that was like four track bedroom psych on the recordings Recordings. We fucking did demo tapes. I don't want to get all fucking...
2: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: And at five it was we played some shows out, and since it was only us two recording it, we just got as many people as we could get. So there could have been like four people on stage, or there could have been twelve people on stage. Uh, and it was one guy who wanted to be in the band. He couldn't play anything, so we just had him stand on stage in a Viking helmet, and you know, so it was kind of like real, <laughs> like butthole surfers but without the talent Uh, (laughs) okay uh it was noisy i mean we had a lot of fun i would play drums live on this and i had one of my drums was this thing we called the gig pot which was a giant like a soup pot that you would find at like a like a homeless shelter to make like a, a million gallons of soup for homeless people and i found that at uh collingwood and you know, it would just beat it with sticks and it's, it had (laughs) just tuneless and annoying. And that pretty much summed up what we were like live. (laughs) I mean, when you're playing it, you know, some of those bands that like, if you're, when you're playing it, it sounds, it's more fun to play than to listen to.
2: Sure. Yes.
1: how I would describe that. (laughs) Um, Um, Dave worked at a comic book store in red bank. John and I worked at the two record stores and, um, you know, we had known that he was in shrapnel who actually recorded for Electra and was like, you know, the closest thing that anybody around had to a career. So, you know, he liked what he heard and we asked him to manage us. And he was like, I'm not going to fucking manage you guys. So, (laughs) so, So he, uh, so it was me, him and, and John, and we started playing together and then that morphed into monster magnet. And then, um, the first demo we did, it was, you know, just a three piece. And, you know, nobody around here was getting signed. I mean, Laughing Soup Dish, the psych band from Long Branch,
2: mm-hmm.
1: had two records on Bump. But that was like, like pie in the sky shit. You know, like nobody was getting signed. Nobody was doing it. Nobody was trying to get signed because there was nothing to get signed to. Right. Uh, now, the punk rock, the mother records thing was kind of over with by then. Yeah. And so... We just wanted to make some music that, like, like amused us, you know, like old biker films and exploitation stuff and, and comic books and just, you know, like fucking Monty Python and just whatever made us laugh.
0: I was yeah. get, getting weird for the sake of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we all loved, like, garage rock and stuff. <clears throat> we all, like, came together on garage rock. Um, Dave was more, like, he knew a a lot of like 70s, late 60s, 70s, obscure heavy bands. Like he was a fan of this German band called Tiger B. Smith, you know, like, and fuck, nobody knows them, you know, like old UFO and stuff like that. And I was more of a fan of, well, the stuff I knew, like the later stuff, like mm-hmm. uh, the Creaming Trees and Spaceman 3 and Loop and we all came together on garage rock and McBain pretty much knew everything. He was super knowledgeable on like sixties, like uh freak beat British stuff all the way through to what was going on, you know, now. So it was fun. Like it was all like kind of virgin territory and we would, you know, play songs for each other, you know, like find songs would be like, check this shit out kind of stuff. And it was, it was yeah. fun. Sure. We started like, you know, doing stuff and then, um, the first demo came out and the s- song on there <clears throat> that this is taken from tab was just we just wanted something like like weird and dumb and kind of like heavy and s- heavy psychish that was just going to just not end you know so we just kind of yeah. went in i was the weak link i'm a shitty fucking drummer i'm <laughs> you know, not good my my kit consisted of two floor toms and a ride cymbal and it was um it was just you know kind of like i was listening to some like can and stuff like that and just like basic shit you know like but like i wasn't that good but i could just kind of keep it simple but like so simple that it's it's barely drums you know
0: it's like Um, if maureen it's like a simplified maureen tucker or something yeah yeah
1: (laughs) compared me to maureen tucker I would be, she would be like Carl Palmer, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know, like, like a wind up monkey, just like, (laughs) so with those limitations, we went into making tab. Sure. And, you know, like, like, you know, Dave had that, had the story he was talking about in there was like a family that he grew up with in Red Bank that was kind of like fucked up and they just, you know, were a fucking mess and um you know it was uh you know it was it was like that was the thing that we started with and then you know dave and john added like a lot of guitars and shit and it was uh it it was pretty crazy it was uh yeah
0: so yeah i actually it's funny you say that about um you know, how it all got started and everything I was reading. I think it was some of the press materials about this. And I, I think it may have been you, but you referred to it as Jersey Shore Kraut Rock. Yeah, you I, know. Which I really liked. <laughs>
1: like, I liked it. And I was like, is this going to be like too like, oh, this motherfucker must work in a record store. But I, I it's kind of accurate, you
0: know? It, it's totally accurate. Yeah, it's just like, it's a just slimier version of... uh that same kind of sound to me you know and, so yeah it totally tracks
1: and dumber in a good way because you know? <laughs> it's like you know the bones are like kraut rock but then you know you fucking hang like fucking seaweed and fucking syringes and shit on it and you can...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's perfect i mean you guys you know not classically trained like some of the kraut rock guys but uh <laughs> able to make put the songs together nonetheless
1: no, it was just like, like if you were building a band, I wouldn't be the guy you'd go to for a drummer. You know, <laughs> you well, know? that's uh, thank like, that's why I was really good back. I mean, Jesus, I'm one of those remember when guys now. But like back then, nobody gave a shit because nobody was getting signed. So right. everybody was doing stuff to amuse themselves. And uh, thank Christ for that, man. You know?
0: No, I think that's, that's such a cool element of this too. And something that I, I don't even know where music is at at the moment, but that's something I think about. Like you guys were doing this, you know, strictly just to do it, like you said, but then it, it actually ended up becoming something pretty big. Right. So, um, it's, it's strange how that can happen where, you know, a lot of the time, if you start a band, just, just strictly to succeed that, will most likely not work out although sometimes that works out too so i guess it goes either way
1: true you know it's weird i mean like you, you look at it like dave was this fucking like untapped source of great songwriting you know and and um you know he's you know him and McBain started playing together i think they both gave themselves confidence to move forward and sure. um it's you know i mean that was that was great you know because they they just it was a it was a great thing. I mean, they both came out of that early stuff much stronger, you know.
0: So I don't know this. Was McBain involved in shrapnel? No. Okay.
1: Um was um was Dave and Phil Cavano, later of Monster Magnet. He was also in Spear. Okay. And Daniel Ray, who was uh, you know, a, a producer and played with the Ramones a lot and was in uh yeah, he's been in a bunch of different stuff. So those were the three guys who got out of that and kind of went forward. Got McMahon, it. He was like he was in bands but nothing more than like Brighton bands. Like um uh Jesus. I forget some of the Hodgepodge Lodge was one of his bands. Okay. Um Yeah, there was a couple of others too. Um but he was in a bunch of like smaller bands and then um we had a band uh called pink floyd but we spelled it p-a-n-q-u-e p-a-y-d and that was that was fucking dumb but it was uh, (laughs) a butthole surfers worship kind of thing but not as good okay Uh, but you know that was fun
0: so i mean the reason i asked that is just because it sounds worlds apart from shrapnel right and i i haven't heard a lot of the other stuff that that you've been referencing bands that you were involved in and dave was involved in and all this but like was it was i guess on his part from like the songwriting perspective was it do you know if it was a really conscious thing like hey i did you know the kind of power pop vibe and now i just want to do something a lot grungier and dirtier
1: well you know he like he was drunk a lot during shrapnel So he wasn't writing as much. So when he kind of he, you know, relatively for like early Monster Magnet, and kind of like there was a bunch of other songs that he never tapped into his like for songwriting wise, and then just kind of went with it. You know, I mean, he he, you know, he had the um, the ability to kind of learn from his previous mistakes and kind of write what he wanted to write then so I that and McBain was a, a great foil for him you know i mean those guys they you know they lived and breathed like 60s you know garage rock and they both well versed in you know like Stoogy kind of stuff like the early heavy stuff and then dave went in on like obscure european space rock and just hard rock bands you know like like, the band I always reference is uh, Tiger B. Smith, which was this German band who were fairly ridiculous. But, like, <laughs> he was that, and, like, McBain knew what he was talking about, you know? That kind of thing. Got it. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, so they both came, I don't want to say came of age, because that sounds a lot more dramatic than it is. But, like, Dave really started coming into his own and um and like you know he was a a solid rhythm guitar player too that's like the early days i sang more because he was playing mainly guitar and he wasn't he was getting acclimated to playing guitar and singing got it but um, he was he was a really he had a, a strange style but he was super solid rhythm guy
0: yeah no that's cool um Going back to what you said before about the he wrote the lyrics about the family. Did the family ever know about this? Did they ever find out?
1: No, not that I know of. They either might have. They were either moved away at that point, or were dead. Or <laughs> no. I mean, and then one of those things too. Like you know, they might have just been like, "Hey, some shitty guy you knew wrote a song about your family." <laughs> at end. I got to fucking get up and go to work. Who gives a fuck?
0: Right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll forever live in infamy on the, as part of the tab, you know, as part of monster magnet lore. Yeah. Um, so like there
1: was, um, you know, uh, on Howard Stern, it was this guy named medicated Pete. Yep. Um,
0: Red bank, like, red bank local.
1: Right. You know, lizard Johnny was about him before he was medicated Pete. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cause he was like, this crazy kid and he would, you know, come around town. He was, he was nice, but he was like, you know, kind of like manic. And so Lizard Johnny was written about him, you oh, know, more man, exactly him, but you know, it was, uh, it was based off what we thought he would be. And then years later, he, you know, he did well with, uh, you know, his medicated Pete. And, um, so yeah, so that was,
0: that is such th- a great fun fact. I'm so into that. Is, did that ever make it to Howard? I feel like that should. I
1: don't think he knew. Interesting. But, you know, and like and he's in, I I mean, I, I see him around. He's a super nice guy. He's a great guy. But like, oh, yeah, when he, like he was a kid, like he would stand on the corner and yell at traffic. And it was like, you know, and you know, he was a like a little kid who looked like he should be in like a like a 60s sitcom, you know? Sure. It's <laughs> we just like just yelling at cars. And then we were like, like, what the fuck? It was, it was pretty great.
0: No, I see Peter around all the time. He's a very nice guy. Yeah. Super nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So so you put this together. I'm just, I'm just, I just want to set the stage here and get the full story. So you put the demo together. Right. Um, you put it out, even though you know you kind of did it just for fun. Right. Um, what comes so i imagine demo tape how did it how did you get it out there and like when you put it out there what was the response if any
1: um not much response i mean mcbane and i we had a a tape label that charitable description called cool beans that we put it out on um we used to make you know ads and i sold every you know we sold the cassettes at jack's and cool um we had like friends of ours, we kind of thought that like if you send your your demo tape in, it would have more impact if it looked like it was on a label. Mm-hmm. So we told like our friends who had bands like if you want to put you know if you want to just put it as cool beans, we'll include it in our like quote unquote catalog. Just give us like a release number and we'll list it as some of the stuff we released give us a couple of copies, you know, we'll sell the copies, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, So, you know, we put out our stuff, you know, the first ripping corpse demo tape is on cool beans
0: too. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: Um, So, you know, we, we sold a few copies of it. Um, It got a little bit of traction. Um, You know, we started playing around and we needed to add like a rhythm section because it, you know, it was fun for dicking around in the basement, but that, lineup was not going to be able to play so we got uh john and joe who were in a band called the shock mommies with jim norton mm-hmm. uh, they were the rhythm section and they were i mean they're they were a great rhythm i mean they were fucking ferocious they're um they're great you know and then um <clears throat> we did the second demo um but in between that I had sent the first demo to um, a guy named uh, Sean McDonald used to be in a band called surgery. He passed away years ago. Uh, He was my salesman from a label called circuit records, which was like a distributor, a tiny distributor. And they put out some records. They did the STP single. I think they did early cop shoot cop, uh, a few other things. And I sent them the first demo. They liked it. And then they, put it out as a seven inch on circuit. So that was pretty cool. Nice. And and then um when we you know beefed up the band to a five piece, it was the growth was really fast. And um I definitely knew like I was I was odd man out (sighs) um because everybody else like everybody else had the defined position. Sure and they were at it. And I was like you know i played i i played second drum you know which is you know um and as, as vocalists like the early stuff was super noisy and dense so you could have somebody who couldn't really sing that stuff just you know chanting or fucking yelling shit over the top <laughs> and it worked right but it became more refined you know there were like glaring holes in what was working and what wasn't working um, sure. yeah, so uh, in that time too, um, Ned Hayden, uh, the action swingers, he had a, a label uh, subsidiary of Caroline, <clears throat> excuse me, called Primo Scree. Uh, he liked the stuff on the second demo and put out uh, the second single. And then the, uh, and after that, I mean, I was gone shortly after that. I The last thing I recorded with him was uh, was the tab the official release a of tab okay uh, and then uh you know they they went on from there but yeah that was the extent of that was a very convoluted explanation i'm sorry
0: no no it's great so so this you said before this new release test patterns is just one song from the original demo is there a plan to release the entire demo or was there a reason that you just released the the one song
1: well, we we were looking at it, and there were, you know, we wanted because that was the, I mean, the other, the rest of the demo, I really like, I mean, it is, it's very sophomoric mm-hmm. Um, I, it adds anything to the greater scheme of things, but like, if you were going to pick one song from it, Tab would be the song. Okay. Um, and you know, we were toying around with. There was a, a live version we were going to put on it, um, and that. You know John was like, look, we just put out the regular demo, and then he wanted to add more guitars to it, which was fine. He was the guy who shepherded this through. Like, it wasn't even on the radar. He has um a relationship with God Unknown, uh okay. Jason. Um, he does a lot of he's mastered a bunch of uh God unknown's records. John does a lot of mastering now out in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And um he's played with you know he's played with Carlton Melton and it's you know he's definitely kept his his hand in the game, put out a couple of really solid solo records too. Um so you know, he brought up, you know, releasing something to Jason and Jason was into it. And then, you know, and John was like, Look, I think you know, the song Tab itself would make a great, you know, it's at least one side of a record, and then he had ideas where he could remix it and add you know some different i you know different things to it which sounds like it really was done at the time too uh the original sure uh, so you know when when he you know proposed that like i was over the moon because i thought you know this was just going to be you know you would burn shitty cds of a demo and give it to somebody and be like you know here you're just in a magnet check this shit out <laughs> so it's pretty cool that it you know made it to you know, an actual release of that. Um, Yeah.
0: No, and it sounds, I mean, I've listened to it a few times now. I haven't got the vinyl yet, but I listened on Spotify and it, the two versions sound noticeably different. So it's kind of, it's kind of a cool, like yin to the yang, the way that, the way that you guys ended up doing it.
1: John's really masterful with that stuff. Um, So he had just actually, you know, he emailed me a few days ago. He got a really clean copy of the second demo, which I don't know if I ever made you a copy of that.
0: I think I have MP3s of it. I haven't listened to it in a while. Um, to me, that is like the epitome of,
1: of the magnet stuff It is it is like super raw and like really wiry and it's, it's hungry sounding. Sure. Uh, and it's, um, you know, Spine of God is a brilliant record and it's not, you know, it's not overly produced either, but this is even more raw than that and um you know working out ideas and it, i love the second demo a lot um that, so hopefully that'll be a you know they'll release that as well
0: and um the second demo is forget about life i'm high on dope or uh we're stoned yeah. what are you going to do about it
1: we're stoned what are you going to do about it
0: okay also on but, cool beans yeah <laughs> and
1: you know when people ask if like we were serious i mean just look at the fucking demo titles. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody's putting out a serious record with that as the fucking title. You no. know?
0: Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's all in good fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's also like uh, with the lineup after I had gone, there's a great live show when they were a five piece with McVean still in the band. From Wetlands that I hope sees the light of day also. It was like professionally recorded and it's uh it's a, a great show. It's two sets, um, heavy on the psych. Um, uh, and everybody's like fucking leaning into it playing wise. It's a great show. It's really that's awesome.
0: Good. And that's that's like post-second demo era. Yeah, that was um might
1: have been right around the time Spine of God was released. So it was like they definitely had more of a name then okay oh so they were more known then that's Uh, awesome yeah it was great
0: so what i mean so you kind of mentioned it but is are there actually any plans at this point for a volume two um i I
1: don't know this sells well enough where they would entertain that um i mean i hope so i mean you know i mean the you know jason from god unknown um was into releasing it so much so that they actually spent money on promotion. So like, I got a, I've done some interviews. Um, I, excuse me. I, um, I have a guest DJ spot on gimme metal next week. Nice. Uh, yeah. Although like, I'm kind of like on their end They'd be like, they're asking them, Hey, um, we're doing, uh, you guys want to do a guest DJ spot with a guy from monster magnet. And they're like, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> Okay, well, we have the guy who played drums thirty years ago and hasn't been in a band since nineteen ninety. Um, he works in a record store now. You guys still interested? <laughs> <Hello? laughs> oh, um, that'd nah, yeah. be
0: cool. Yeah. People, people love that early magnet. I mean, people love Monster Magnet in general, but I think you know there's a particular affinity with with the heads for that early stuff.
1: Sure. Oh yeah, and it, you know, and that's another thing too. Like people say, like. Uh, I wish it would sound more like that, but like they couldn't, the band couldn't sound like that again. Cause it would sound, it would be false. Right. You know, like there were, as soon as that first demo was made, the band was a better band, you know, when they got the, the proper rhythm section. So you, you know, you can't go back and redo that stuff because it, it's just sounds, it sounds bullshit, you know?
0: Well, exactly. Like, you yeah. Know,
1: for, you know, for the record, I mean, it's a more mature band and it's it's a different sounding song. You can't have that kind of like reckless, shitty abandon. You can only do that once, honestly.
0: Exactly. I mean, and I know that you're the same way in terms of going down rabbit holes. Like one of my favorite things about bands is like actually getting into kind of the darker periods that nobody listens to because it's yeah. it's always interesting to me like why certain creative choices are made. Oh, but yeah. it's like at a certain point, yeah, like Monster Magnet have been a band actively for 30, almost 35 years at this point. Like, if yeah. they were trying to do something like that, it would be insane. I mean, it's kind of a time and a place thing.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, so, speaking of like rabbit hole stuff, I'm reading a book now on, um, by Steve Hanley, um, bass player from the fall for a bunch of years. Oh, cool. Yeah, if, if it's, um, it's great. It's like nuts and bolts of uh, daily touring and dealing with Marky e. Smith. It's a great, it's a good read.
0: That's very cool. I actually, I've been dying to do the fall for this podcast. Maybe we have you come on for that one.
1: Oh, uh, man. I just, when you take a dive in, like, you, you'd never get to the bottom of the fall. Never. Never. Never, never,
0: ever. And they have, like, the, the most insane fan base where they're still, they're just, I feel like any label, just gets the okay to release any live show or any demo or any whatever, because there's just like infinite fall records coming out all the time.
1: So oh, and you're kind of like, well, what's this? And it's like a, a lot of shitty fucking live shows.
0: I mean, like, oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I fell for it a couple of times and then I was like, I don't need to hear this <laughs> ever.
0: So if we do the fall, would you want to do like your favorite fall record or would you rather do one that you like? I would historically dislike no it, i mean it's equally interesting like,
1: i would like i don't want the onus of picking my favorite fall record because by the from the time you asked me what my favorite fall record was to the time we record this where well, we would we would record something it right so like if you had given me like a fall record say like okay we're gonna do grotesque yeah or uh
0: you know, I think Hex is my easy go to, but you're right; it changes all the time.
1: Oh, uh, and, and Hex induction hour, and like, uh, yeah, th- that's such a great record. Jesus, yeah, but like the classical, when like the first two lines, he like yells out the N word, and you're, like, <laughs> oh, and like <laughs> that completely, like, like look, I know it was a different time, and you know. It was Marky Smith and it's just, but like, you're like, oh man, like yell out something else.
0: I know. It's not the kind of thing you can just be like, Hey, like, yeah, check this band out. They're really good. Listen to this like, song.
1: Hey, make me a playlist of fall. And they'd be like, Hey, what's that song in a classical? Let me, <laughs> just ignore the first 15 seconds and you're good. You know, Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's make, it, a- make an actual mixtape where you edit out the first 15 <laughs> minutes of the song or 15 seconds of the song. <laughs>
1: Look, I spent two hours to, to edit that
0: out. Right. Um, cool. So the record is awesome. I'm super excited about it. I think it's great that it got released. Um, there should be a volume two. So forever, who, whoever needs to hear that there should be a volume two, there should be a volume two. And let's, uh, let's get that second demo out and that live set you're talking about. Um, anything else you want to say about the Monster Magnet record?
1: um no i'm just kind of like i'm just psyched that it came out
0: it i'm psyched too cool. a lot of people are psyched where is there a where do people go to buy it i mean it seems like it's being distributed pretty well it's on spotify and everything
1: yeah i mean i think you can get this i don't know if the special version's still around but rough trade has that um god unknown has a Bandcamp page uh, forced exposure selling it and if you're around red bank we're selling it at Jack's Music. Nice. um Yeah. Hey, have you heard the uh the Panda Bear Sonic Boom record yet?
0: I I did hear it. I want to give it a deeper listen, but I liked what I heard. Yeah, it, it's like
1: it's fuck like it's a like a druggy, mean spirited, but not I not mean, was <laughs> it's a druggy Beach Boys thing. Like yeah, are like Panda Bear stuff. um It's great. It's it's a complete meld of two guys it's great i love that it's really been a turntable hog
0: that's cool yeah i actually it's funny because i don't love panda bear or animal collective and i don't love a lot of the sonic boom stuff that's come out over the last decade or so but i did really like this combo it seems like they're playing to each other's strengths
1: yes that's a that's the best way to put it yeah Yeah. but i'm a fan of yeah, I'm not as much of a fan of a uh,
0: panda bear. Like,
1: I like some of his stuff, but I'm a, always a, I'm a big fan of Sonic. Actually, I like the more recent Sonic Boom stuff than Spiritualized.
0: That's a hot take, Tim. It is a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to ask before we go, and you you kind of jumped on it anyway. But um, any new records aside from the new Monster Magnet, of course, that you recommend people check out? Obviously, this Panda Bear Sonic Boom collab anything else you've um, been spinning
1: you know there was a recent reissue of this and again like this sounds like fucking jerk off record store <laughs> guy. but there's this brazilian band called uh oz brazos okay uh, b-r-a-z-o-e-s um it's like 1970 brazilian and it's like psych funk um it it's pretty amazing i it's been a like they Reissued it a couple of years ago, but a friend of mine, uh, Neil O'Brien, just turned me on to it. It's amazing. Cool. And uh, there's another record by a uh, a band from Oakland called uh, Orchestra Gold, and it's called African psychedelic African psychedelic rock. I think that's the name of it. They're both streaming, so you can check them out. But that record's really good too. It sounds awesome. like not really Zamrock, but like something that would be like a heavy african rock band from the uh 70s it sounds really legit
0: nice i've heard i've seen that one kind of making the rounds i haven't listened to it
1: anything kicking your ass
0: kicking my ass um let me see i've been listening to the new suede album a lot um it's one of those things where they they're a band at this point if you're in you're in right and like none of their records sound too wildly different that you're going to be you know kind of shy away from it um and but this one's kind of a grower like the more i listen to it the more i like it they're not doing anything new but it's still good um i've been listening to i like the new nas album a lot he's been doing this series of albums called king's disease and he just put out the third one and i think it's great um and then there's a kind of melodic death metal ish band called dream unending and they just put a new record out that i have been listening to a good amount
1: so oh let me write that down dream unending okay
0: yeah it's really like it's kind of it's not it's maybe not death metal because it's not fast but it's like sludgy but super melodic but it has those like growly death metal vocals okay i think it's a few do i think it's like I could totally be getting this wrong because i i don't read about a lot of these bands i just kind of listen to them but i think it's two dudes from other bands um kind of doing a side project thing but it's really cool all
1: right oh there's a, a record that um Castleface just put out by a band called ladio balaco that's really okay. good it's kind of like gee, i don't know like almost like hardcore math rock but it's not math rock, and it's not really prog, but it's it's heavy, and there's a lot of weird parts to it.
0: Oh, that's uh, like, I think that's, isn't that like a Mars Volta adjacent thing? Like, it's like dudes from, uh, from like, one dude. From, I think oh, it is. I think it's like early, like, one of those guys was involved. I could be wrong. Or, like, maybe I, that camp. Now I hate it. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to ruin it for you. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: I I, man... Remember when people were tripping over themselves trying to say how great they were,
0: uh. and nobody likes that new record. That's like, yeah, I'm, totally. I mean, I'm I'm a fan actually, but like, but uh. man, that new record, it was like everyone was so excited, and then they dropped those songs, and nobody was excited anymore. <laughs> it's
1: those things where they just you use the the bad name to push the record, like
0: it, yeah, it was, you know it
1: should have been like a such a record, you know. Like, <laughs>
0: but that's his name yeah alright Tim well thank that's you for coming on this is awesome, awesome. oh thanks hopefully hopefully hope Hope something no this is great everybody buy the record and uh have a happy Thanksgiving